Welcome to the Finance Cafe, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that is changing the narrative around finance, business, and women. Your hosts are Shannon Peston, former banker, and Shauna Frederick, CFO on the go. They are the founders of the Finance Cafe and creators of the online business financial literacy program designed specifically for women entrepreneurs. As women entrepreneurs themselves with strong finance backgrounds, they have an understanding of the unique challenges and opportunities that women in business face. The conversations you will hear each week from diverse women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them will not only educate, but inspire. At the Finance Cafe, we support women entrepreneurs just like you to feel capable, confident, and connected, not just to your business and finances, but to each other. Thanks to the support of the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, part of the Government of Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Strategy that aims to increase women entrepreneurs' access to financing, talent, networks, and expertise, we are thrilled to bring you Season 2 of the Finance Cafe Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finance Cafe Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Frederick, and I am thrilled to be joined today by Ashani Missier. Ashani, I met you through the ELLA program through York University. Well, I didn't meet you. I learned about your story, and I'm so fascinated how you entered your entrepreneurial journey. So today, we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship as a pathway to financial independence. And we're going to get into your story and talk about just sort of some of the things you've learned. But why don't we start off with you telling us a bit about yourself? Thank you so much for having me be a part of this. And yes, Ella is, they played a great role for me uh, the past year when I was able to participate in the program. What I can say is I presently co-own three automotive shops out of the Kitchener-Waterloo area. We basically have about 20 employees, a little over 20 employees actually that we manage between the three locations. I do come from a background in the financial industry where I work worked for a little over 12 years. And then now I'm in a totally different industry in the automotive field. And we're four years going strong. And we just opened our third location uh, just in the past September in the middle of a pandemic. In the middle of a pandemic, which we're going to get into because that that's fascinating in its own. But tell us a little bit more about Total Quartz Can Auto Care. So why and how did you start this company? So we started as Total Quartz Can Auto Care. We are now known as TQ Auto Care. We had a little bit of a rebranding that we did uh, in partnership with the Ella program. In terms of actually starting into this journey, this is actually not my dream. It's my husband's dream. It has always been his dream to be in the automotive field and own his automotive shop more related to the lube side and when he came to me with his dream we decided okay great we're going to go to a franchise we're going to see if we can get something that's already built then it'll eliminate a lot of the marketing and everything else however that's not affordable. It wasn't something that was within our means, 250,000, half a million. We, we just did not have that kind of money. So the only other way that we could get around that was to create our own. And what we first realized is we didn't want to be a mom and pop. We wanted to be recognized. We wanted brand recognition. So we went to, at that time, the fourth largest oil company in the world, Total Oil. They were based out of Quebec. And um, we, we, 
looked around the market and looked at all the oil brands and saw Total was not being represented. And we contacted their Quebec office and said, hey, you know, we see you're not represented. How would you feel, you know, if we were to look at getting some shops going in Ontario? And they said, sure, you know what, we're open to looking at it. We tried, it didn't work for us, but come up with a proposal and then you can make a presentation. And I sat down, wrote it up and, you know, we're now four years later going strong. Now, I, I want to go back because I don't think you're you're giving yourself enough credit because tell us who and how made that phone call to Total Oil? I did. My husband was, had lived in France for about five years and he had seen Total. And, and when I asked him, why do I not see any Total Oil shops? He said, because there aren't any. So I'm like, okay, let's call. So I called and I spoke to their customer service and they're like, let me connect you. There's a gentleman by the name of Bart. He was working for Total at the time and I spoke with him and he he was such a nice person. And he's like, yo, uh, you know what? No problem. Let's sit down. Let's have a meeting. And we sat down at a Tim Hortons, had a conversation. And when I met him, he told me to come with my proposal and I, I wrote it up and got everything organized, my data, my business plan, how I wanted to do it, what I wanted to do. Sorry, I should correct it, how we, because it's my husband's certain ideas that I was able to pull through because he's very um, regimented. He knows the process. Mm -hmm. My part or my contribution to it is I could visualize it. And I put kind of what I would want to see as a customer. And he had the backend knowledge. So we kind of merged that together and was able to come up with a, a pretty good plan. And during all of this, Ashani, you were going through a difficult stage in your life. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, it was actually a pretty rough journey for the first probably about seven years uh, where I had got, undergone some quite concerning medical issues. I was at one point to a level where I could barely walk. I was in constant pain and the corporate world is not very forgiving to people who are not able to, you know, get into work and be there. And, you know, it's understandable. It's, it's, it's a job. It needs to get done. But I wasn't in a position that I was able to um, perform, I guess, to the best level that they needed to me to be, to be there. On top of that, I had a parent who was undergoing breast cancer and I had to take her to her appointments. So there was a lot happening all at once. And so while in between going to doctor's appointments, that's where we actually even just came up with the idea and the concept. My husband was driven to the point where he's like, we need this independence. And I was driven to the point where I also felt we needed that independence, where we could control our narrative as to when we go to work, how we go to work and how we make money. Absolutely. And so I mean, you talked to me about how you had a, a business plan and a dream and, and you went out there and sought this and, and you came with it, not only from the, the execution point, the style, but you also had the financial background, which I suspect was, was pretty helpful putting together that business plan. It really was. I mean, I, it wasn't, it wasn't because I was sometimes a little bit too, oh, I know this, I know that. But when I actually went and dived deeper I didn't know anything because I knew things on a higher level. I understood the credit aspect. I understand what goes into an application. Like you put a, a mortgage application in front of me, I can whip that up, no problem. Yeah. But when it came to this, it wasn't a, 
a totally different wheelhouse. And the the analysis that uh, the banks were doing when it came to this, it wasn't, it was more based on who I am, what am I bringing? What, what do I know? What do you know? What did I know about opening an auto repair shop? Mm-hmm. And how did you learn through that process? Because you taught, I mean, you've said it, you've said it time and time that, I mean, you, you knew nothing going in. So how did you learn? It was, it was a very, I, I mean, there was a lot of research. There was a lot of looking at other businesses. There was also, for me, customer service has always been something very integral, very strong on my side. I may not have had a technical knowledge of the automotive side, but I had a very strong knowledge when it came to customer service. And I know if I take any business, if it's customer service related, I can flip it, no problem. And I'm pretty confident in that. Whereas my husband, he knew the automotive side and he's very technical. He understood that side really well. So we really complemented one another and kind of came together to be able to put this together. But I wouldn't have been able to do it without him. And he wouldn't have been able to do it without me. And you talked to me a lot about the communication style between you and your husband, your partner. And we know that financial conversations amongst spouses, amongst partners can be very challenging. So how do you, how do you get through that barrier? The way we kind of work through it is that he understands that that's my wheelhouse and he respects the fact that that's my wheelhouse. And he always tells me, he's like, you know, if my bank card doesn't work, I'm not calling the bank. I'm calling you because I expect when I go to the store that my bank card works. And the same way he relies on me when it comes to business, the bills are paid, our suppliers are taken care of. And that's my side. Whereas I expect the same on his end where operations are moving, the guys are doing what needs to get done. And we just kind of fill each other's gaps and it it worked out. And we always consult each other. That's, I think, one of the biggest things. It's just that as in any partnership is putting things out on the table, communicating. I think one of the biggest things that helped us is we have a one hour commute on a daily basis from our home to the shops. That one hour, I find, really helps us because we just talk about the whole day, what he saw, what I saw, what the challenges are. And we discuss it all the way home and then in the morning, all the way to work. And we we talk over a lot of things and are able to resolve a lot during that time. And do you find it beneficial to have that partner then to discuss these things with? Yes, it really is. And that's also something that we talked about in the Ella program. Entrepreneurs, they're very guarded. They keep things close to them. And a lot of the things that we found being an entrepreneur is it's a very lonely world. And, you know, going into this alone is, I I can't even imagine the fact that I have somebody when those stresses come, because there's problems first three years, a pandemic. And if I had to do this all by myself, I think I'll be blowing into paper bags, like no tomorrow, because I, I don't think I'd be able to take it. And to have that, that person that I can actually communicate and tell everything to, it's huge. It's really important. But then, I mean, you talk about this, the challenges that you went through during the first three years with the pandemic, but you also opened your third shop in the middle of a pandemic. Talk to us about that. How did, how did that come about? What we saw was even in the middle of a pandemic, we were able to make the adjustments that needed to continue. And we thought that was huge for us because we, we did, we, we reduced our staff, we adjusted here, we moved things there, and we were still moving. 
And what we know in the automotive industry is that when an opportunity comes up, you have to strike because if you don't, then you don't know when something else comes up because a lot of people have like, you know, premium areas and they won't easily give it up. And usually you're buying that location. And when I buy a location, I'm not buying it to use their name or their, I have to rebuild my brand in that area. So when this location came up, it was actually a, a new concept that we had to deal with because we'd never dealt with a, a location that was empty. So it was just a building. So now all of a sudden I got to go shopping. I have <laughs> to find hoists. I have to find equipment. I have to find, uh, you know, I have to design. And that was just something I found through the process that I loved. And how important for you was it at that time? So that opportunity came about and I suspect having the financial background, you knew what the numbers on the paper looked like and, and how important was it for you to rely on those numbers in order to make that decision to seize that opportunity? It was very important because I knew our financial picture. I knew how the numbers were coming in and I knew that, you know what, this is a good opportunity. If we pass it up, we're not really going to come across another one, but also I also knew I was off probably by about $3,000 what I needed to get this shop up and running and $3,000 off into the positive. I overestimated a little bit. That's amazing. But we did it within our budget. We got all the equipment that we needed. We got our suppliers. You know, the first time around, um, I made a lot of mistakes. I spent money where I shouldn't have spent money. I paid lawyers through the nose for, for stuff that I was able to do myself this time around. And we're talking big dollars compared to what I ended up paying this time. And, and that's the other thing, you have to read. You have to read those fine prints. You have to look at all these documentation. It's not enough for somebody to read it to you and just tell you what it is. You need to read it and understand it. Because if you don't, you're going to sign off on something and then all of a sudden something's going to pop up and it's like, I didn't know this. Yep. And I think that's just so important. But the important thing too is you were able to take the learnings from the first two locations and you, you didn't let it you know, define you. You didn't let it set you back. You're like, I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to take this into the next location. So I think that's such an important takeaway for our listeners that, you know what, what we learn from our past mistakes can only make us stronger going forward. 100%. You had an opportunity then again, during the pandemic, I think, what was it? Three or four, four months after the third location was open to open up a fourth location. What happened with that one? We said no, because one thing is I don't like absentee ownership. Mm -hmm. I believe in keeping an eye on our shops. We're there. We do our rounds. We're here every single day. We just opened the third location and, you know, we're still, we're just getting it going. It's still a baby. And to take on another shop at this particular moment in time would not do anything good for what we've just started. And as much as, you know, these locations come, I don't want to open a shop for the sake of opening a shop. I want to open it to be successful. So my, my partner and I, we were able to look at it objectively and just say, not the right place, not the right time. Could we do it? Yes. Could we make it successful? Yes. But is it the right time? No. Ashani, that's so important because we bring in the, it's so important to understand the financial side of your business, 
But again, having that business plan and what are your goals and objectives? Because not every opportunity is a good opportunity and understanding when to say yes and when to say no. So I, I love that those two great opportunities came up, but you were able to say no to the one because it wasn't the right time. Ashani, we know that access to financial capital is a barrier for women entrepreneurs and even more so for BIPOC women entrepreneurs. So was this true for you and how did you overcome it if it was? When we first started this endeavor, we were looking for the Canada Small Business uh, Loan. And we had gone to the banks and had discussed it with the banking advisor about going through the process. But I mean, right away, I was told it's not something that I'd be able to qualify for on my own. So as a result, we did want have to bring in an asylum partner in order to, in order to be able to qualify for, for the loan. And uh, we gave, so we now have a split shares through that business and uh, he's helped us. His kindness is what helped us kind of get into this and get started and get going. So you have to do, be ready to do what you need to do in order to, to accomplish what you need. Right. And it's, it's not uncommon for women entrepreneurs to, first of all, bootstrap, for many entrepreneurs to bootstrap their initial endeavor and to, and to give up equity in their company in order, in order to achieve that, in order to get it off the ground. But what I love about your story is that when you had the opportunity to open up the third location, what happened with your silent partner? Well, this time around, we were able to uh, qualify on our own. And now we had this history, we were able to show our numbers, we were able to show what we've been able to accomplish. And it was just a much different conversation this time around. And it was a much more confident conversation. Because before we were just like jumping around trying to be like, oh, no, oh, my goodness. But now, you know, when you're walking through the door, you can say, hey, I know what it is. I know what's happening. I know what I can do. These are my numbers. Let's get the loan done. When is it going to be ready? Kind of thing. I love so, that attitude. I love that attitude. The change, the change. I, I mean, even I can speak to it. it. It's been, it's been a big difference. I mean, I went from a person where I used to call suppliers and nobody wanted to talk to me. They told me to get my owner to call them back. So my husband had to call to be able to get supplies. So it's just, it's such a different thing from what it was and what it is now because of how I think my own mentality too. But to build that confidence from the beginning, when you called Bart from Total Oil, that conversation could have been very different. So kudos to Bart for giving you an opportunity as a woman entering the industry, calling him out of the blue and saying, hey, this is our idea. Do you want to roll with it? So that's fantastic. So when we get more into sort of the financial numbers, so you mentioned you were able to walk in the bank confident that you that you knew the numbers and running a business really comes with many challenges. And in order to maintain that sort of financial independence that you entered into as an entrepreneur, you have to know your numbers. So what does knowing your numbers mean? What does that mean to, to Ashani? So going into the bank, showing our numbers was uh, very important. Kind of giving them that full financial picture of how our businesses were doing played an integral role in us being able to obtain our third financing. In terms of what was coming in on a day-to-day basis, what's going out, being on top of our expenses and expenditures. But more than what the bank saw, it was important what we saw as well, because it dictated whether or not this was even something we needed to or should be even considering based on how things were were kind of progressing. So 
we were really happy when even the bank was looking at our numbers and they were like, this is something we can do. Things worked very quickly this time around. We, we went with Meridian and I mean, the turnaround and the support that we received was, was tremendous. Now, knowing your numbers, we, you and I talked a little bit about this offline. When it comes to, and in the past six months, prices, inflation, there's increases happening everywhere. So how important for you, especially in the last six months, has it been to know your numbers? It's been really important because we've had to make such tough decisions. We know people everywhere, they're struggling right now, struggling when it comes to jobs, struggling with the inflation, struggling with prices going up everywhere. However, in order to be able to be here to give the service that we do give, we had to make tough decisions to increase pricing. One of the biggest things that we do as a company is we offer 50 percent off of our oil changes. And that's also something we did. We gave free oil changes during the pandemic because we understood how difficult it is for people, uh, especially our frontline workers, like to support them. And now we want to continue to offer these, these discounts, but we still need to be able to cover our cost. So when bottom line, I mean, at the end of the day, when that bottom line continues to increase, we in turn have to increase that price to our customer. And that was a conversation I had to have with my, my husband because he didn't want to increase the prices. But I can see from my back end that in order for us to be able to continue, we needed to. It's just It was just not something that we had a choice on. So you were able to prevent him the facts by giving him, showing him the numbers in a, in a matter that he probably understood to say, listen, if we don't do this, we're not going to be making money. We cannot cover our costs. Exactly. But if you hadn't been staying on top of that, when I mean, you could have been potentially losing money for a significant amount of time. And some entrepreneurs that I, I've worked with in the past, they wait until year end to look at their financial picture. So being able to make those decisions in the moment I mean, that gives you the opportunity to continue giving those discounts, but more importantly, to continue offering those, those services, especially to our frontline workers. So thank you for doing that. Thank you so much. And one of the biggest things that I also wanted, uh, I'd actually been recently looking for accountants and we just connected with a new accounting company. And one of the requests when now interviewing our accountants was, a quarterly financial perspective, like a financial picture, where it gives me a breakdown from their point of view, from their end, that gives me a good analysis of what's happening and what's going on, the ups, the downs of the business, so that we, yes, I can go into QuickBooks or my accounting system and pull up a report. But what does that mean? Yes, I have a background in financials, but am I the best with accounting reports? No. And hiring those professionals who do know, who have their expertise to fill in the gaps that I have as an entrepreneur is key in order to be successful is something that I found. And I love that you said when you went in to interview your accountants, that you gave them some criteria that you're looking for. Because as an entrepreneur, you do need to have feel confident in order to ask the accountant saying, this is what I need. They'll provide you with some direction on what they also advise. But if you can walk into their office and say, this is what would be helpful to me. And if they're, if they're able to provide that, again, it's that, like you just said, hiring the professionals to support you. That's, I, I, I so appreciate you saying that. I mean, as an accountant, but also as an entrepreneur, because it's, it's such an important investment that, that every entrepreneur can make. Absolutely. And the thing is, I made the mistakes. And I know you and I spoke about this before, about 
the mistakes that have been made. I've made a ton of mistakes. But what I found is that when I made those mistakes, I was able to learn from them. If somebody had given me this information, it wouldn't have been the same. And I've hired companies that promised one thing, but delivered something totally different. Entrepreneurs in general tend to hold a lot of the information that they were able to learn very close to their heart because they didn't get to that information very easily. They had to work really hard to get the information that they did. And as I said before, it's being an entrepreneur is very lonely because not a lot of people want to share that information. I personally don't know many entrepreneurs that I could have connected with um, that was able to give me advice or guidance or when we first started. Whereas now, because of all the mistakes that I made through that process, I can see the value in what I was able to learn for myself, as opposed to if somebody was actually able to come and tell me these things. Because if you're a fighter, if you haven't been punched, then you don't know when to duck, right? You can stand there all day long and take punches. But if you haven't actually been punched because somebody told you, hey, duck, then you can't win. So one of the biggest takeaways that I had by participating in the Ella program was the the connection that I had to other entrepreneurs, all the women that I was able to connect with were at a little bit of a, a mid-stage when it came to their businesses. So we were actually able to openly communicate and share tips, tricks, ideas when it came to marketing, when it came to when it came to sales. We were able to share some of our best practices very openly and honestly. That was I thought that connection was was so important and so valuable to any woman who's kind of uh, going through the entrepreneurship path. And that would have been amazing to have, you know, in the beginning stages, which I've also communicated to the, the ladies at Ella, that if I was able to have something like this when I first started the business, it would have been amazing. And I hope they continue to do what they're doing. I so appreciate you giving kudos to that. And the importance not only of other entrepreneurs to talk to, but but role models. So how important is it for you to have a role model? And how important is it for other women to have role models, in particular BIPOC women? I think it would have been amazing to have a role model. Unfortunately, I didn't when I first started. But as I said, just in the last few months when I participated in the Ella program, I was able to connect with Val Fox. I was able to connect with Nicole Troster, who runs the Ella program, and, and Judy Chang. And I've been able to meet some amazing women who have come a little bit later on in my entrepreneurial journey, but who have now left an imprint on me in terms of, of how I look at things, how I look at the perspectives, how I bounce ideas. I was able to get really personal and talk about such deep topics that I would have never been able to speak with anyone else about and was able to get feedback. I was able to cry with them. Like it was just such an amazing journey and such an amazing connection that I found invaluable. Ashana, you are giving me goosebumps. And I think the other benefit of you not only starting your entrepreneurial journey, but going through the Ella program is now you are a true role model for other BIPOC and other women out there that want to enter not only entrepreneurship, but enter the automotive journey. One of the quotes that I read of yours, which I absolutely appreciate was, 
part of the business plan that you went into was coming at it from the female perspective. So you were quoted as saying, these facilities will be very woman friendly. I've been in too many repair shops where I wouldn't even want to sit down. So for all of the women and men in the Kitchener and Waterloo area, I would encourage you to go check out Ashani shops because I can assure you they are likely impeccably clean. And I so appreciate that. Thank you so much, uh, Shauna. I really appreciate that. And that's definitely something that, you know, we value and we we want to put out there to women and this industry. I was someone who used to go to shops and always felt afraid, always felt that I would be taken advantage of because of my lack of knowledge. And that's something that, you know, we hope to change with our shops to be able to be transparent, show our customers what we're doing, how we're doing it so that they can walk away with the level of confidence that, you know, their vehicles are in good hands. I love that. And and what I find interesting is you said at the beginning that this wasn't necessarily your dream. It was your husband's dream, but you are truly disrupting this industry. And I, I can tell that, that that would have been a dream of yours to disrupt any industry that you're going into. Ashani, I could talk to you all day, but I would like to know, so what are two to three key items women entrepreneurs should consider when they're entering entrepreneurship? I would say number one is have a dream. Have a dream that you are passionate about and have a dream that you can visualize. And when you can visualize it, put it down on paper and come up with a plan. And once you have come up with that plan, um, my uncle told me when I wanted to go into entrepreneurship is close your eyes and jump because there will be 50 reasons as to why you shouldn't do something. But all you need is one to go ahead and to jump. Get your plan in order, get your dream together, visualize it, and then just jump. So empowering. Ashani, what's next for you and what are your hopes for TQ Auto Care? Our hopes is to actually franchise. We want to build this business. We want to build this idea. We want to build this concept and we want to build it across Ontario and maybe one day build it across Canada. But we're starting from very meager means and we're dreaming big. Dreaming big. I love it. Ashani, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, for sharing such good takeaways. A couple of things that that I want to reiterate because they're so important is the fact that you've learned from your mistakes. You jumped in, you didn't know a lot about the industry, but you were able to learn. Yes, you made mistakes along the way, but you've learned from them and you keep moving forward. The importance of getting those professionals to support you and interviewing the right ones that are going to work for you. And that last one, dreaming big. How can we not end off on that? Ashani, tell our listeners where they can get in touch with you. You can uh, reach us at our social media handles at TQ Auto Care. You can find us on our website at www.totalcanauto.com. And that will be going through a facelift over the upcoming months. And find us on Google as well. Total Courts Can Auto Care for now. Ashani, thank you so much again. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. Uh, Just a reminder, you can find out more about the Finance Cafe and our online financial literacy program for women entrepreneurs at thefinancecafe.ca. And you can find us on our social handles at the Finance Cafe official. Thank you so much for tuning in today and wishing you a wonderful start to your week. Thanks for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. Want to dig deeper? As a valued listener, we'd love to offer you an exclusive discount to our financial literacy program. 
Use the code PODCAST10 to get 10% off. Visit thefinancecafe.ca to join or to take our free financial literacy quiz. We would be so grateful if you could show some love for your favorite financial podcast. Just like, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you're listening from and help other listeners like you connect with us. See you again next week on the Finance Cafe podcast.